Well, you know, today being a, a special day, uh, being Thanksgiving, and we try and dedicate children every Thanksgiving. It's one of the things that we've done for several years in the church. And uh, one of the other things that's happening today is that we are actually celebrating pastors who were our children's ministers. And so Naomi was our children's pastor for seven years, seven years, and uh, we just wanted to take some time to celebrate them. We're going to do that at the end of the service, and uh, thanks for Matt and Naomi and all their hard work. We're going to talk about them in a little bit, but uh, Pastor Maddie and Ashley, before they went to Bon Accord for five years, were our children's pastors and various roles you filled as well during that time. And so we thought it important to celebrate. How many know it's important to honor to thank God for incredible faithful servants because of all the craziness that's happened with COVID. We haven't been able to do this until now, so we wanted to do this right. And the real champions are the children who have sat through two services. Yeah, amen. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought to myself, what do I preach on on a Thanksgiving Sunday where we're dedicating babies and we're celebrating children's pastors? I thought I would preach on Jesus the childlike. Jesus the childlike. And we're going to find out what it means to be childlike today and how we can grow in childlikeness and how much we reflect Jesus when we're like that. So why don't we just start with prayer and then we're going to go forward. So Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this incredible church family. God, thank you for their support, their love, their desire to be here. God, it is a celebration that they're even here, Lord God. We are so grateful that we can gather and we can bring the word of the Lord and come together and celebrate and worship and thanksgiving before you, God. So, Lord, take your word now, anoint it powerfully, Holy Spirit. Bind it to our hearts, God, and produce faith and love and thanksgiving within us as we hear the word of the Lord and learn about the childlikeness of Jesus today. Amen? And amen and amen. Well, what does it mean to be childlike? I asked that question of several staff members and different people. But I want to read a scripture first and we're going to look at that today. Mark chapter 10. People were bringing their little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. (laughs) He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and he blessed them. How many of you know that uh, children have a special place in God's heart? Amen? And uh, I told the first service, if you've not watched this series, you can download it. It's not on any apps. It's just on, online. It's called, um, oh my goodness, Chosen, thank you. The Chosen. If you've not watched The Chosen, you need to watch this series. It's eight, it's eight episodes the first year. It's funded by an incredible way, but you can go and learn all that. But one of the ep- episodes is dedicated to Jesus with kids. And it's so fun to watch him interact with these kids. And so uh, there you go, pastors recommending uh, you go home and watch TV. So there you go. But here are some thoughts of, that came to us as we were talking about what it means to be childlike. The first one that came from everybody I'd asked the question to, they said this, children live in wonder and in awe. You know, kids are like that, aren't they? 
You know, kids, when they see you for the, I, one of the things I love about being in the Christian, the Christian schools in the basement, they walk by my window every day, and when they walk by, they're so, they look in my window, and they're so excited to see me. My wife hasn't looked that excited for a long time. But these kids are like, wow, there's a window, and I see Pastor Greg. And it just builds me up and makes me feel really good about myself, amen? So I'm always standing by the window waiting for them to walk by like some <laughs> weird creeper, but there I am. Your children are safe. It's okay. <laughs> but kids, 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 life is big. Life is wonderful. Life is amazing, isn't it? And we need to capture that again because that's kind of like Christ. I was talking to my daughter, Michaela, and I said, what do you, what do you, when you think of childlike, what do you think of? And uh, she said, for me, it's when I go to, the, go to the ocean and I watch kids on a beach. And, and, and they can spend hours doing this. You know, the tide will roll out, and they'll go out, and then, and then they got this look of just anticipation and great, like, and then the tide starts to come in, and they just laugh with delight, and they run away from the tide. Have anybody ever seen kids do that? And they do it for hours. Like, they can, it's just the most exciting thing in the world, where the rest of us are like, I'm getting sand on my feet. This sucks. I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> Children are like, this is the most exciting thing. It goes out, it chases me. It goes out, it chases me. They love that kind of stuff. We need to find things that, uh, you know, adults tend to miss in their life. Things like butterflies. When's the last time you just marveled at a butterfly? Bubbles. Bubbles are the coolest thing. You get those big ropes that you can do, the full, huge bubbles. Like, watch kids with those things. We had three little babies. uh, Friends of ours adopt three children from Africa. And my wife goes out to the dollar store and spends far more than a dollar, but she buys every single toy and thing that these kids are going to love. And they played for hours and hours with bubbles. We need to develop that in our life even more. Amen? I was thinking about the song, What a Wonderful Life. Just listen to the lyrics. I think whoever wrote this was childlike. I see trees of green and red roses too. I see them bloom for me and for you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see tr- skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow so pretty in the sky are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? But what they're really saying is, I love you. What a wonderful wonderful world. I think we're never too old to see wonder in the world. Amen? So uh, one of the most childlike human beings I know is John Booker. John Booker's not here, but I got to tell you this story because this happened to me this week. Uh, I phoned John, and my line, opening line is always, how are you doing today, John? And his answer is always the same, wonderful. But this time, John added an addendum. He stopped me from asking him what I was going to ask him. He says, wait, now, wait, 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 wait. I don't know why you called me, but I'm going to tell you why my life is wonderful. He said, I woke up this morning and I realized God has been creating all night long and I get to see what he's done. This is how he started the conversation with me. And he's like, I get to now experience the wonders of what God has done. How many of you know that's a childlike answer, amen? I thought, wow, I can't really go anywhere. I thought to myself, do I wake up like that? 
I don't think we do. But to have this awe and anticipation and this wonder in our hearts, in our minds. You know, I think kids are amazing. How many, you know, I love Christmas. I love Christmas and to watch kids at Christmas. So my wife does this thing and, and, and it's our family tradition and there's no way away from it. My wife wraps every stocking stuffer and puts a clue on it. Stockings in our family take hours to go through because you can't open it until you guess. So Mitchell, uh, when he was young, gets this box and he can't figure it out, but after a while we let them open it because otherwise it will be there till Boxing Day. Uh, So he opens the box and he's so excited as he opens the box and it's premium plus crackers. And he's like, crackers, mommy, crackers. And then (laughs) Betty and I are looking at each other, kind of laughing. We're like, Mitchell, maybe open the box. Maybe there's something in the box. And then it was like another level of excitement for him. And he tears open the box and he's like a pair of hand mittens made for his hand. He's like, mittens, mommy, mittens. How many of you know that's the heart of God? Everything is so exciting. Everything's so amazing. And this is what God wants us to do. You know, how do we recapture wonder and awe in our days and in our lives? I I just want to challenge you to do a couple things. One of them is this, slow down. Dallas Willard said this famous quote. He said, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You miss so much because you're racing and racing and racing. I remember there was a, a, a quote of a famous statesman, and he would write in his diary every day, and he wrote in his diary on a certain day, spent the day fishing with my son, nothing accomplished. That was his diary entry. Years later, his son became a famous statesman as well, and when they look back on his diary entry, because he has trained his son to write a diary, when they look back on the son's diary entry, it said, spent the day fishing with my dad, best day of my life. How many of you can miss things when you don't slow down, when you don't pause? You know, Jesus is one who lived in awe of life, awe of God, awe of humanity. You know, I just want to encourage you. One of the ways that I like to connect with God and and rediscover awe and wonder is just get out in nature. Just get outside. You know, one of the reasons I love to ride a bike in the River Valley of Edmonton is just to be outside amongst the trees. and, And I just love it. I love to go in those places. We need to pause long enough to recapture wonder in our lives today, church. Amen? So here's the second thing about kids. Kids are creative and imaginative. Hallelujah. Again, watching kids at Christmas time is so fun for me. Parents will spend copious amounts of money to buy some large toy and, you know, a dollhouse or something, and the kids will take it, and they'll take it out, and they're so excited by the dollhouse. But then suddenly, within moments, they turn to the box. The box becomes the gift. And I remember once we bought a couch at Christmas and my kids, they didn't play with any of their toys. They spent literally a month in this box. It was dilapidated. It was falling apart. I had to tape it up again. But it was like the fort of forts. The most incredible gift we ever gave them was the couch box that uh, the couch came in. You know, I think we need to know that. We need to let that creativity come into our lives. And parents, I want to encourage you. This isn't about having a lot of money. When we first started in our lives, uh, we lived in Fort McMurray and we were pastoring there. We had a little 900 square foot, uh, you know, uh, bungalow, uh, sorry, not a bungalow, a uh, duplex, and uh, we lived in the upstairs part of it. We didn't have a lot. 
But, uh, you know, what we would do is we would spend times, and one of the things that we did is we created stories. I had story time every night when I was putting the kids to bed, probably a couple times a week because it was a lot to do. And what we'd do is we'd, we'd gather together with the kids, and then we'd tell, tell stories, but we'd always create a story, a narrative. The kids would pick a narrative, and we would gather their stuffies, all the stuffies. And how many of you know you can have 150 stuffies on a bed? There's a lot. And so there were, we would have these incredible story times, and I would tell the story and get them to kind of give me components of the story, and we would talk together. And I would always make them the hero of the story. Like one of the stuffies went missing. What would you do if one of the stuffies went missing? And then you'd parallel that. You know, that's what Jesus did for us. I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm a pastor. That's what you do. And then, but you know, we'd have lots of fun too. The stuffies would have sing-alongs. And then some of the stuffies would be rejected by other ones and they'd have to reconcile. You know, you're teaching all the time with your kids. Are you with me? But understand something. My kids now have, they're, they're intrinsically understand and live in story. They see narrative. In everything, they see narrative in people's lives. They, it's always a story to them. And, and how many of you know that's the heart of God? So there's ways in which you can be creative and imaginative. And I think that, you know, for all of us in this room today, we need to, we need to recapture that. Amen? I remember hearing the quote about uh, William Stafford. And William Stafford, of course, was a famous poet. And they asked him, like, what made you, you know, drawn to poetry? And how did you start in your, your life? And, and Stafford said, you're asking the wrong question. He said, every one of us is born a poet. The question that you need to ask is, when did the rest of you stop? You've been given creative power by God, and, and the narrative of God it wants to come alive in your life and my life. You know, I love watching creative people. I'm blown away by people who can create with wood, with painting. I, I, I just stand in awe. I'm like, wow, wow, I'm not that guy. I'm the wrecker. I will destroy things. I was that kid. But there is people that can actually build and create and craft and do pottery and paint things. And, and I want you to understand, you know, you can be creative in relationships. You can be a gardener. You can be, find that point of creativity. God is trying to draw out creativity in this hour because we need to resurrect the childlikeness of God in our lives. You know, one of the reasons I love to preach, that's where I'm creative. So every single week... <laughs> I start with nothing. It's a blank canvas. And I'm like, okay, God, what do you want to say today? And, and it's like, oh. And I'm praying that way. I'm like, God, spirit of creation, help me. What do you want to say? How do you want to say it? How can I illustrate this? What can I do? And, and every week I just go into this time with God of creativity. And I get to see what God builds with me, together with him, partnering in this creative moment. So my friends, they, they've, they mock me. They mock me because of my preaching. Because they'll phone me and they'll say, what are you preaching on this week? And I'll say, man, you need to listen to this sermon. And I say it every time. This is the best sermon I've ever preached. And, 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 and now to the point where my friends will stop me and say, I know it's the best sermon you've ever preached. And I'd get all forlorn like, what? it is the best sermon that I ever preached. But you know what I figured out? Why it's the best sermon I ever preached? Because I'm meeting with God and I'm meeting with the spirit of creativity and I'm meeting with the power of creation and God is coming along and partnering with me to build something that did not exist before that moment. Wow! It is the best sermon I ever preached. If you missed last week, you missed the best sermon I ever preached. Did I preach last week? Yeah, I did. No, I didn't. 
<laughs> I preached while the other person was preaching, though, in my mind, so it was all good. <laughs> Amen? Rediscover that creative point in your life, church. This is what God wants to resurrect in this hour. Play an instrument. Build a fort. Imagine a story. It doesn't matter. Be childlike. Let that creativity come. Here's the next one I want to talk about. Children have relational faith. How many of your kids ask a lot of questions? Anybody figured that out yet? Why? 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 So I like to have fun once in a while. I preach at the Christian school. And uh, I'll always, I don't do it all the time because it's a very dangerous place for pastors to go. I'll ask questions of the kids. Now the funniest part of my questions is this. They never answer my question. Here's, here, I'll give you an example. I'll say like, Okay, kids, today, um, you know, what does it mean? What do you think Jesus meant by being a good neighbor? We'll be studying the parable of the good Samaritan. What do you think Jesus meant by being a good neighbor? And every kid puts their hand up. Like, they're so excited. They want to talk. They want to be heard. And so Jeremiah asked me a question. I said, Jeremiah, what do, you, what do you think the answer is? And he's, like, so excited, and he starts going, and he's like, my brother and I went to the farm this week, and we saw black squirrels. Why don't we have black squirrels in Mournville? <laughs> and I'm like, your teacher would love to answer that after we talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. So then the next kid goes, and it's the same. It's just going down a wrong direction. You follow me? But it's so fun. It's so fun. And I think that's what God wants us to be. Is, you know, it's not bad to ask questions in your faith, church. It doesn't mean you're not childlike when you don't ask questions. But what you're supposed to do is ask questions knowing that God will answer them. You see, when you have childlike faith, you have that relational faith, you go to somebody you trust and you ask them a question and you know they're going to answer you. And sometimes with God, he doesn't answer right away. And so you need to learn to suspend your judgment and, and those things that you want to do. And, and understand God's going to answer. You know, when I first became a Christian, I used to study the Bible and I used to read, and I would kind of read it with Jesus. And by the way, I'm giving you a hint how to read your Bible. I would read it with Jesus. It wasn't like I was trying to reach Jesus. It's like he was right there with me. And I'd be like, Jesus, why did you write it that way? Like, what, what do you mean by this? And so remember I was studying one time, I was studying during Easter, I was studying the, the resurrection and, and the narrative in all three four Gospels. And what I found was there seemed to be some contradictions on the timeline. I'm like, Lord, why is there contradictions on the timeline? I don't quite understand this. But I know you know. So I'm going to give that to you. And I didn't have an answer. But I asked God. And I'm not kidding. It was probably six weeks later. I'm studying something else. And I, I, I hear this teaching. And I start studying into it. Do you know that the four Gospels were written to four different audiences? That Matthew was written to the Jewish audience, and Mark was written to the Romans, and, and Luke was written to the Greeks, and, and John was written to all mankind but of their need of the divine. And when you understand the narrative is written in, to different people, then all of a sudden it made sense why the timelines were different, because the Jewish candle calendar is different than the Roman calendar. And if you don't know that when you're reading, it seems to contradict, but when it comes on, unfolds and you say, wow, everything connects together, you're a perfect God. In all that you do. And, and that's what childlikeness is when we have relational faith. Trust God for the answer. You know, Jesus marveled at many things, church. It's an interesting study. And two primary things caused Jesus to marvel. Here they are. 
One was he marveled when people had faith when he wasn't expecting them to have faith. And he marveled when people didn't have faith whom he was expecting to have faith. Those two things caused him to marvel. And so like one example of, of marveling, you know, <laughs> when he didn't expect it. There's a centurion whose slave is sick and so he sends some people to go to Jesus to say, can you come and pray for my, my sick servant? And so Jesus says, sure, I'll go. And, and then he sends another servant and says, you don't need to come. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't even have to show up. Just speak it. And the Bible says Jesus just is dumb. He's like, wow, that I found faith in this centurion that I've longed for to see in my own people. Look at what this guy, how he's believing me and trusting me. It caused Jesus to marvel. Remember the Syrophoenician woman who had a sick daughter? And he goes to Jesus. She goes to Jesus and says, would you help me heal my, my daughter? And, and, and Jesus gives this like uncharacteristic, not loving answer, it seems. He said, it's not right to feed the bread of the children to their dogs. That's not the Jesus I know. And then the woman grabs Jesus' attention with her answer. She says, oh yes, master, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. And Jesus is like, boom, wow, marvel. Look at this woman. Your daughter's healed, man. Amazing. Do you understand? We don't want to be on the other side of that camp. We don't want to be the ones that are like, well, I don't really know, Jesus. I don't really trust you. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the one that has the childlike relational trust. Amen? Believing God. And how many know we need that today in our day and age? Yeah, we do. Hallelujah. Children live in wonder and awe. Children are creative and imaginative. Children have relational faith. And I think the Apostle Paul even had that relational faith. Listen to what he says. He says, uh, that is why I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame because I know in whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Paul's in prison, he's suffering, and he's saying it's okay because I know I can trust God. You know, sometimes in our lives when we're going through hard times, when we're going through suffering, sometimes we want to not trust God, but that's the moment for us to have relational faith and to say, God, I'm going to press in and I'm going to believe you. Amen? So we need to do that. Well, here's the last one I want to talk about. Children easily forgive and think the best of people. Isn't that great about kids? Kids just forgive. <laughs> you, you know what it is? They, they're like God in that they always want to restore relationship. Kids are just like that. So I was, I was in my office uh, last week. And my office is two away from Pastor Peter's office. I had my door open. I was just working away on something. And uh, Abria, who goes to the Christian school, Pastor Peter's daughter, came upstairs. And I heard her little feet going down the hallway. And she looked into Peter's office, and Peter wasn't there. And she's like, Daddy? Daddy? And I'm listening. What's going to happen here? And then maybe three or four seconds later, Peter comes out of the bathroom seven doors down the hallway. And Abri is like, Daddy, I was scared because you weren't in your office. And Peter said, oh, honey, Daddy, sorry. He, I just had to go to the bathroom. She doesn't even miss a beat. She just says, oh, it's okay, Daddy. We all make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> just this, this heart of forgiveness. And I'm writing this on the chill. I'm, like, I'm typing, say that again, Abria. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it's like you're writing my sermon for me. This is the best thing ever. Amen? You know, 
aren't you thankful that Jesus is childlike with your sins? Aren't you glad that he doesn't hold grudges and keep records of your wrongs? But when you say sorry, sorry, he says, it's okay. We all make mistakes sometimes. We need to learn from kids, amen? Imagine if Jesus kept a record of all the things we did wrong and held offense and held a grudge at everything you ever did wrong. Whew, that wouldn't be fun. You know, there's so many things I could talk about. They all have tenderness of conscience, kids. They have such a tender conscience. They can cry about things. You're like, well, that, you're like, wow, that's amazing that you're that sensitive. You know, I think they're, they're very open about emotions and feelings. Even when they don't know how to describe them. How many know kids are they're just aware of what's going on in their life? I love this kid. I think, I think I relate to him very much. His name is Jimmy. He said, I thought I needed a hug today. But what I really needed was pancakes. <laughs> Amen, Jimmy. Amen, Jimmy. <laughs> I love this kid. Gets asked, he gets asked, what's your favorite color? And the kid gets all excited and he says, my favorite color is ice cream. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, doesn't matter what flavor. No flavor, no matter what it is. My favorite color is ice cream. And kids have this incredible sensitivity. This kid named Walter, age six. He said, when you cry, I wish I was a spider. Because then I could spin you a tissue. I know. <laughs> it's awesome. This is childlikeness, amen? This is what captures the heart of God. We could talk about joy, eternal hope, undying love, boundless energy and exuberance, always thinking about best about life and other people, willing to learn, willing to grow, excited about learning something new. How many of you know we need to recapture that in our lives, amen? You know, becoming like a little child means that we maintain the wonderful and beautiful characteristics and qualities of children that life in this sinful world can try and beat out of us. You know, think about it, adults. We get bored with flowers and bugs and sunsets. We should never get bored with those things. We should take delight in them. We become jaded and disinterested. Adults hold grudges, harbor fears, stay angry, refuse to forgive. But listen, Jesus didn't, and children don't either. They don't. They live this childlikeness, and this is why we need to understand. Jesus was childlike because he was full of life and the hope for humanity and the beauty of creation. So Jesus sends out his 72 disciples, and he says, go and preach the gospel. And they go, and they're kind of fearful, and they're terrified, and they go. But listen to what happens when they come back. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to, our, to us, Lord, in your name. Now, do you understand they're childlike right now? They're like, wow, 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 this is incredible. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on the snakes and the scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that your spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. How many know we had a childlike worshiper leader today? Amen. I, he's just going to tear right out of his flesh and his spirit's going to be standing on the stage one day. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Jesus delights when we take him at his word and we respond to him in this childlike nature. You know, all of us, church, listen to me, all of you are children of God. Every single one of you. But you have a choice how you live your life and how you respond. You know, there's a story of a, a couple that had twin boys. And the twin boys were like the polar opposites. One was like extremely pessimistic and one was extremely optimistic. So they thought they'd take them to a psychologist to see if they're doing something wrong. So first the, the psychologist comes in and he takes the pessimist child and he thinks, I know how to fix this kid. He takes him into a room with a bunch of brand new toys. And he says, here's all the toys that you can play with any one of them. The kid looks excited for a moment and then he just bows his head and he starts to cry. And the psychologist is like, what's the problem? Like, the kid says, I know that they'll just break when I pray, play with them. And he's like, wow, this kid is a pessimist. I got some work to do with this kid. So he's thinking, okay, now I got to try to see if this kid really is optimistic or if he's more like his brother. So he, then he takes the optimistic boy and he takes him into a room full of manure. I know, it's unbelievable, full of manure. So it takes this child in this room full of manure and he thinks, now I'm going to see what this kid does. So the kid kind of looks puzzled, you know, he's like sees the manure and then just shocks the psychologist. He jumps into the pile of manure and starts tearing it apart. And the, and the psychologist is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, with this much manure, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> so what's the, le- what's, the, what's the lesson for you and for me? Here it is, church, ready for this? We need to be the father's optimistic children in a world piled high with manure. Amen? That's the point of the lesson today. That you would move from that pessimistic worldview that is happening in so many hearts right now and turn and say, I'm going to become an optimist in this hour. Because the world doesn't need another pessimist. It doesn't need another post on Facebook to tell them. They need optimism and life and and blessing and speaking the kingdom of God, the goodness of God, the love of God in the midst of a world derailing. This is the word that you can speak if you're childlike. So here's my question to all of you with everyone looking at you. Who wants to say, I need to be more childlike in my faith? My hand goes up. Amen? You know what, and the greatest way that you can be childlike, for those of you that maybe didn't raise your hand, the greatest way that you can be childlike is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the most childlike human that ever lived. And that's part of what it means to go to church. That's part of what it means to come to a a house like this, to hear the word of the Lord, to be encouraged, to believe God, to trust God, to yield our life to him, to put relational faith in him. But every one of you has to make that choice and that decision. Lorraine, why don't you come on up? You need to do that. And, uh, you know, it's important for us as a church family to give you that opportunity. I had to make a decision like that. Uh, eight days before my 21st birthday, I went to my sister-in-law's baptism. That some weird thing where she was being dunked in water. And I'm like, this is a cult. What has she joined? It's bizarre. And, and, and I'm there and I'm listening to this guy preach. And literally 700 people in this church, the guy starts pointing right at me. My brother, Doug, who was not a believer at the time, starts moving away from me on the seat. He's literally, buddy's pointing, the preacher's like, young man, the spirit of God is on your life. I'm like, okay. And he comes right down to me and he says, what are you going to do with God? I'm like, I don't know, man, but I'm in, whatever it is. 
And that day I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. You know, it was that simple. But I had to make that next step. He stood there. Jesus was standing there knocking on the, the door of my heart. And he's saying, are you going to be childlike? Are you going to open the door? Are you going to invite me in? That's your choice here today. Don't leave here. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If that's you here today, you know what? Be bold. Everyone's looking just like a kid. Say, I'm in. I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. And I want to live with him and for him. If that's you, raise your hand and wave at me. I know you're here. Amen. Amen. Are there others that would join and say, I'm in. I I want to follow God. I want to walk with God. I want God in my life. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray together with this one who raised their hand. Can we pray out loud, every single one of us? Be a child like, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for me. Now help me to live with him and for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give this one a hand today, amen. There's a party going on in heaven, brother. Hallelujah. That's a good, that's a good party. Well, we're going to have a little bit of time now to just celebrate our children's pastors, our previous children's pastors, just for a few more minutes, church. Be patient with us. But we want to do that now, and we want to just say thank you to these incredible servants of the Lord for their lives and all they've done. You know, in the first service, my wife and I were just preparing and praying, and I, I phoned her at work yes, last night, and I said, honey, just talk to me about what you see when you see our, the four people that we're going to talk about right now. And she said, you know, with Ashley, I just really feel uh, the, her de- deep love and compassion for people is so evident. If you're ever around Ashley, she's just a lover of people. She has a depth of compassion, and I just want to honor you for that. That's such a reflection of the kingdom of God and of Christ in your life. For Maddie, I said in the first service as well, but you know, Maddie, I, I love your love for the word. I love your love for the Lord. But also, I just, your pursuit of Christ-likeness compels me. And so thank you for that. And so Maddie, for those of you that don't know, and Ashley, Maddie was our children's pastor for and other various roles for five years before he became the pastor at Bon Accord for the last five years. So we've never had a chance to just thank him for all the work he did while here in Mournville. So thank you guys for all the work that you did. And uh, for Naomi, you know, just one of the things I love about Naomi, and I miss, I miss her not in the office. Naomi was the perfect children's pastor because she was childlike. She was always excited. Like, she, was, she was that person. She would, you know, how can I make this exciting for the kids? How can I draw them in? If you ever listen to her teach, that's how she pulls things out of kids. And so, Naomi, thank you. Thank you for that childlikeness. And I really felt, and I said this in the first service as well, but I want you to get impact your heart. I really felt the Lord wanted to commend you for living as an overcomer. You, you really do. And you know, you may feel like I'm stumbling sometimes. It doesn't matter. The point is you get up every time, every time. And you're amazing. And uh, I know this, the book's not done being written yet. You're just on a different chapter that's going forward. So thank you for your service to us. Amen. And uh, you know, Matt, we're just so thankful for you. You've been like that stabilizing, steady powerful, strong. This guy's so strong, it's crazy. You, you don't even know. Yeah, he's just a powerful man of God, but he, you've been such a great support in the church. You've served so beautifully, so well, kind of behind the scenes so many times, but you've done so much to support the kids' ministry and, and uh, our, you know, with our little, little kids that are just before they transition into youth 
You've done a great amount of work with them there too. And we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. So part of today, Pastor Peter's going to come and lead us. I'm going to pray, but then Pastor Peter's going to come and just tell us a little bit about, we're going to take up a love offering. Some of you, we told you about this last week. Some of you might not be prepared for that. That's okay. Uh, Pastor Peter, why don't you come and get ready to uh, just tell us what we're going to be doing here. And, uh, and then we're going to pray a closing prayer for these guys. Oh, there's a video. I forgot about the video. Let's watch the video. My fault. The video is really good, too. Like, I mean, dang. So I have the privilege and the honor of recognizing Matt and Naomi Lorenzen for their years of service with Children's Ministry. And I've had the privilege of working alongside them, Naomi particularly. And I just really wanted to make sure they understood the profound impact that they've had on the kids that have been part of the ministry over the years, as well as the leaders that were influenced by their leadership. Um, when I think about Pastor Naomi, I what comes to mind is just a really strong heart, not just to teach God's word to the kids, but really for the kids to experience God's love. and and understand that the lessons that we learn and that we teach them they're not just lessons out of a bible but they're actually how god shows up in our lives every day right now and and how do i take a message like the noah's ark and the rainbow and the promise of the rainbow that god will never again flood the earth is really about right now god keeps his promises and the promises we have and we encounter and we hear right now today are just as important to God as, as Noah's Ark and the rainbow was back at that time. And, you know, and when Pastor Naomi talks about that with the kids, it's, it's, it's so much about God is right here with you and Jesus loves you. And um, the other piece that really resonated for me is when I think about Pastor Naomi is her heart for to reach people outside the church as well as inside. Uh, you know, definitely children's ministry on Sunday mornings is, is impactful and important, but there's also Mom's Morning Out that she was involved with and connecting with moms in the community who maybe don't even know Jesus and know any have any relationship with him and just being that person and representing Jesus to them. And the second piece of that that I think is, is drawing Naomi now is the ability to reach out to families and not just impact the through ministry the kids but also who are the families that surround those children and how do we influence them and how do we walk alongside them and um that i really see as as um on naomi's heart and i think is one of god's gifts that he's given her so as far as matt um matt's one of those silent in the background very strong supporters and um i truly believe that he's I always, when I think about Matt, he's that quiet fun in the background. He's he's not the one you see out front, but he's he's consistently there. And if you asked about a fun activity or something in children's ministry, Matt was there. Um, I don't know how often Matt was behind some of the crazy activities that we use to teach lessons, but uh, I really appreciated how that willingness to be whatever was needed came from him and his support to Naomi and children's ministry. So I just wanted to say thank you to Matt and Naomi for the journey we've been on. Um, I know 
every children's ministry leader has a vision for where it will go and it builds from the ones that were in the past and God has a plan that guides that and I'm just really excited about where we've come from and where we're going. Well, I thank you guys so much for giving me this opportunity to be able to speak about Pastor Maddie, Ashley and the girls. Uh, I have grown to love them just like my own family. They hold a really special place in our lives and uh, they came into our life just when we needed them the most. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with our story and uh, we were all very broken and uh, God led Maddie to our door one day. Uh, I never met him before and he just showed up just to love on our family. He had heard about uh, the struggles that my boys were having and uh, he just wanted to be able to comfort them and just spend some time with them and love on them. And uh, my oldest grandson took to Pastor Maddie like crazy. Uh, he was very uh, um, emotional and couldn't get any of that out. And through Pastor Maddie's love and guidance, he led Gabe to a uh, youth conference where there was over 300 people where my grandson was able to share his story for the first time and cry about it. And people just loved on him. Uh, from that moment on, I, I became interested in finding out what uh, the Father's House was all about. And Pastor Maddie led me to the church. And the day that I walked into that church was uh, monumental for me and my family. Uh, we have not looked back. Uh, Pastor Maddie helped me get through discipleship school, the teachings that I've gotten from him. Uh, and then I got to meet his beautiful wife and girls. And, some of the fond memories I have of spending time at their house, doing Bible study, getting to babysit the girls, go on little outings with them, though I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Uh, the whole family is just a family that just is so obedient and love God so much. And you can see that in the way that they interact with everybody. And we're just gonna miss them here so much. It's just uh, a little bit different without him here, that's for sure. Um, yeah, just their love for God is just so truly inspirational and it's just something that I strive to hope to be like, more like their family. They just trust in God and they go wherever they are led by God and, uh, and I have no doubt no matter where God leads them that they're going to make a huge impact in the lives of many. Our youth are gonna miss him. We're all gonna miss him. Uh, and I just uh, pray that all of God's grace and blessings are on that family and that I love them. beautiful service all about being childlike and we're just going to close by providing a love offering for our former children's pastors the Lorenzans for seven years and then the Coppins for five we are indeed just so thankful for them and so uh here's what we're going to do um I know that you're so used to giving through TFH church through the father's house but I was reminded before service that if we give a love offering to the Coppins and the Lorenzans through the church, when we present them with that lump sum, it's taxable. 
and we don't want to make the love offering taxable. And so uh, what you're going to do is uh, provide check or cash today, and uh, you can designate that directly to uh, Matthew Coppin or Naomi Lorenzen. And uh, we're going to have a bucket on the table by the glass cross. If you have cash with you today, just come on by the table and just place it in the bucket, uh, the honorarium for one or both of these couples. We so appreciate that. And uh, with that, we're just going to bless them. So we're going to get you your families to stand. And we already had a child dedication. We're going to have a children's pastor dedication so we can get them to line up. And then uh, Pastor Greg is going to bless their families right now. Can you hear me now? Yes. You know what you're going to do? You're going to stand with me, and you're going to extend your hands toward this, uh, these amazing couples, and uh, the Lord Jesus wants to bless them, fill them, flood them, use them. Uh, the story's just uh, in a different chapter. It's not over yet. And they're still here, which is so exciting as well. Amen. But let's pray together. Let's extend our hands toward this couple. Father, thank you for Maddie and Ashley, Lord God. Thank you for their passion for the kingdom of God. Thank you for their lives, their hearts, their design, their desire to serve you, to serve you wherever, to do whatever you ask of them, Lord. God, they are faithful servants of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I just bless them and I bless their girls, Lord God. I bless them in every way, Father God, that your favor will rest upon them, God. Thank you for Naomi and Matt, Lord. I thank you for their children. I thank you that you are blessing them. You're keeping them. You're watching over them, Lord God. You're opening doors of influence for them, God. They continue to serve you in powerful ways. And I pray that the kingdom of God will manifest beautifully, powerfully, amazingly in and through their lives. And the many people that they will continue to influence, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we say Amen. Let's give these amazing families a, a clap offering. God bless you, church. You can, uh, you can hang around here, but the alarm will go off eventually and the police will come and take you away. But uh, until then, enjoy the service. And, or you can go and grab coffee and uh, go and uh, make sure you give that offering to those guys if you can, if you're prepared to do that. If not... We'll hold off for the rest of the week. You can uh, let us know this week if you want to do something for them as well. God bless your week, church. Next week, we're talking about Jesus the servant. Jesus the servant. So we're going to be preaching on that next Sunday. Come and hear the word of the Lord. God bless your week, church. Love you. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>